Well, how are we doing, Pantano? This is the Make Podcast. I'm Trevor DeVage, sitting here with my my slightly drenched co-host this morning. It's, I wasn't sure where that was going to go. I wasn't either, honestly. <laughs> uh, Dylan Mitchell is sitting right next to me. Bro, it is raining in Arizona today. It is raining. I don't think it's cats and dogs because I didn't step in a poodle. No, 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 no. Uh, dad jokes. Um, <laughs> hey, that's appropriate because we've got a guest on the show with us today. Um, actually is my dad, Jim DeVage, who's sitting to my right, which nobody can see this. I don't know why I told him he's sitting to my right. Nobody cares. Um, but dad, glad you're on the podcast with us today. Um, have a good conversation. Um, Dylan was prepping you before you got on of what he's going to ask you. And I'm a little concerned about, I just, I think this is a really, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to sit down with your dad and find out all kinds of stuff about you that we don't know i'll be honest you're not gonna find out anything new <laughs> it's just gonna confirm everything you already know is what it's gonna do um but it, it, we're now we're in episode two of season two episode so two, season we're two. like we're officially sophomores um we we have graduated to <laughs> sophomore our, is what is it wise fool is that what it translates I, to i don't know I, I, we're wise fools if, well, if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be a sophomore. I would be, uh, I'd be a senior, or I'd be out. Right. Um, so you, you and Melissa actually spent a few days over in San Diego. Yeah. Uh, so you've heard of a honeymoon, and yes. you've heard of couples who are pregnant taking a baby moon. Yeah. We did a navy moon. A navy moon. That we're, it's going to be a thing. That's. We're going to make it a thing. Sounds a little inappropriate. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> hey, come here. I want to show you a navy moon. What? I mean, I feel like that's a bunch of navy seals out in the. In the middle of the bay at night, you know. Um, so you guys went to look at housing. For those of you that are new to the podcast, Dylan and his wife, Melissa, are moving to San Diego. But you're staying on staff with us. Yes. And um, he can work remote for most of his job. He'll be back over here about a week a month. Um, but she's going to be a JAG in the Navy. She is past the bar. She is now, is she gone? Not yet. She leaves on the morning of the 21st. So today, just to put a timestamp on this, this is the 16th. Um, so and then she's gone for five weeks, isn't five she? Weeks. And you you move in to your car. <laughs> Moving with the Hamlins. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like living in Hopefully. your car. I mean, you're going to be living <laughs> in your car about three days after that anyhow. So, um, no, actually, they got a great spot. That'll be great. Hang out over there. Yep. And um, so you guys went and looked. Didn't find anything yet. No, we, we, we the part of the, the Navy moon that we kicked off with was we went to Disneyland for a day. Some friends gifted us tickets for that. So that was really special. I like that you're trying to make Navy moon a thing right now. It is a thing. I, I've heard you say I'm gonna it three times. I'm going to brand it. I'm gonna, there's going to be t-shirts. You should sell that on post, <laughs> like at, at, the, at the base. I think, um, I think you could do that. So, yeah, we did that, um, hung out in uh, Orange County with some friends, had lunch, and then drove down to San Diego and looked at some housing. Sweet. So if any of our listeners are in the uh, Chula Vista slash Ote Ranch area in San Diego, that looks like where we'll probably land. Yeah. So if you uh, if you have coffee recommendations in the area, I, I know San Diego is James Coffee, yes. uh, Bird Rock, but if you've got anything in Chula Vista area, uh, let us know. Yeah. Let me know. Well, and there's a great church in Chula that I told you about, Momentum Church. Um, a guy named Matt Allman's a pastor there. And... Uh, it, they may have multiple locations now. I can't. I can't remember. But they were. They started in a movie theater, and they may still be in the movie theater. But it, it's a fantastic church. Cool. Um, so, well, Dylan, what do you got today? Because um, we are in week two of our Dangerous Prayer series here at Pantano. Um, by the way, y'all have gone nuts over the. I was just about to say Dangerous it. Prayer shirt. Yeah, they're they're selling. I had somebody try to buy it off my back on a Sunday morning. Did the you first sell week. it? No, no, because then I wouldn't have anything to wear, and nobody needs to see that. <laughs> 
So you did him a favor. <laughs> I did the whole church a favor by keeping my shirt on is what I did. Uh, actually, I gifted it to my father because um, he liked the shirt. So, um, is, it, is it a comfortable shirt? Do you do you still like wearing it or was it just pretty to look at? I haven't had it on yet. Yeah, he's not okay. even put it on yet. He's He likes it. So I was like, take it. I, I've got so many church shirts in my closet. I'm like... I've met people who take their church shirts and make like a quilt out of yeah, them. Yeah, they make quilts and blankets and uh, I wear them to the gym a lot. Yeah. Because it... It's just an easy conversation starter. Well, and on the Pantano shop, we've got that athletic merch too. So, like, I have a champion, like, moisture wicking. Yeah, you're wearing shirt. it right now. Yeah. Oh, no, you're no, wearing, no, a I'm wearing a jacket. Yeah. yeah. I, I've actually got the pullover on and the the sweatpants because, well, one, I'm flying today. And uh, two, where are you going? Oh, we're going to the Dominican Republic. Um, Dad and I, we play in a golf tournament every year down there. It's a fundraiser. And, um, I, I tell people all the time, we're in bonus time of life now. Like, he's like a freaking cat. He's died at least five times in the last couple of years that I can remember. And he just keeps coming back. So I'm like, well, uh, we're in bonus life now. So we, I don't take these trips for granted. So we, as long as we're both able, we go and uh, go ministries is a ministry that uh, Pantano supports, but I've been on the board for go for five years. I've been engaged with go for 24 years. And um, we do a big fundraiser in the Dominican every year with this golf tournament. And uh, dad and I've won this tournament three out of four years. And uh, last year we got beat on a very, very sketchy chump shot at the end of the tournament. But we'll go back and redeem our tournament this year, bring our victory back home. Hopefully next week on the podcast. We'll have that to talk about. I might just bring the trophy with me. Um, just set it on the table. <laughs> I've, got, I've got three significant trophies in my trophy case from this tournament. And uh, hopefully we're bringing home another one. So... Um, yeah, but we're going to the Dominican doing that. We'll be down there. Um, we fly out late tonight out of Phoenix and, um, and then we fly back on Saturday. I'll actually be back here. I'm not preaching next Sunday, but I'll be back here for church. And well, since you guys are going up to Phoenix, you should stop off at mythical and Gilbert and grab a coffee. That's not a bad idea. I have those from time to time. Yeah. Well, not bad ideas. I won't go as far as a good idea. <laughs> I said, but that's not, not a bad, bad idea. idea. And you're like, I have those from time to time. I, all of my <laughs> ideas are those all the time. Uh, so well, talk to me a little bit about where we're, where we're at, what we're doing. What, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, so uh, I wasn't actually on campus yesterday uh, for the message, yesterday having been Sunday, uh, but I was in our staff run through, which I really like that we get to do that as a staff because on weekends like this, it gives me the chance to yep. pre-hear the message. Um, but we week two was uh, just titled Speak to Me. Yeah, And I, I think that you really unpacked that idea well, that concept well, because one of the one of the lines in your message was, uh, God is always speaking. The question is, are we ever listening? Yeah. And that kind of I think like in this this culture this world we live in it's it's a very noisy world mm. where like everything's competing for your attention everything's competing for your ear it's if it's it, it's not even advertising it's churches are competing for your ear if we're being honest sure um you know it, it's your it's your kid's school it's your church it's your gym it's the grocery store it's the 2,000 paid ads while you're scrolling through Instagram or TikTok and so that was that was pretty eye-opening it's like the question is are we ever listening mm -hmm. are we being intentional about what we're listening to um so that was that was what really stood out to me yesterday and like one of the principles that you you kind of gave was just stop everything and be still mm -hmm. and I don't think I, I'm speaking for myself I don't want to speak for everyone else at the table but I think for me I'm super guilty of not just pausing yeah I, we, I mean, it's the hustle culture we've talked about before. Yeah. Well, I, Dad, I'd like to actually hear your perspective because in some regards, we've got like three, really kind of three generations at the table right now. Um, 
because you're 12. Um, I'm, I'm 43. You're really bad at math. <laughs> well, in my world, you're 12. <laughs> Your dad's uh, shaking his head. <laughs> uh, but how old are you, Dylan? You're I'll be 28 in a few, 28. Like two weeks. So I'll be, I'll be 44 in like two months, and dad just turned 79. And uh, I think there's, like, there's different layers of how you hear the voice of God based off the distraction, because you're not distracted by the same things I'm distracted by or by the same thing he's distracted by. Um, where, dad, what do you find the distractions in your life that keep you from getting still to hear, hear the voice of God? The, the pace of our living today is, is the biggest distraction for me. I want to slow down. I want to listen, but the world won't let you. Yeah. We, we're under that, that mandate, if you will, to move faster and faster. Uh, you know, we have two ears and one mouth. Uh, yeah. If, if we listened more and talked less, I think we'd be a lot better. Yeah, well, and which is really interesting, Dad, because you're retired. And I, I've joked with you, like, I think you're busier now retired than you were when you were working, um, even though every day is a Saturday for you now. Yes. Um, but, but a lot of your friends are younger. Like most of the guys you hang out with, some of them are 20, 25 years younger. Um, do you find that trying even to keep up with their pace is hard for you to get still just trying to spend time with those guys? No, I, I try to bring them down to my pace. <laughs> that, that's a good idea, actually. Uh, I guess when you get almost 80, you can pretty much make people do what you want or just don't hang out with them. Um, so here's an interesting question. I mean, since we do kind of have three generations at the table, how is living in today's fast-paced culture different from, like, maybe when you were 28? Like, what was the big distracting? What was the big thing that was pulling your attention then? Because obviously it wasn't social media or online advertising, but there was still noise. Not as much, probably, but there was still that opportunity for things to distract you. I think the the emphasis in my earlier years was on education and, and being uh, brought to the Christian perspective. Mm. Church was probably the second thing in our lives we live first and i went to church three four times a week mm. uh, that was a methodist church by the way and i thought i might want to be a preacher at one time but uh how did you divert so far from that <laughs> <laughs> well, well i had a child <laughs> I'd like to point out that I was not born when that was the case. Um, I was not around when you were 28. Um, but but you, the other thing I, I've heard you and mom talk about is, I mean, you were working at pretty high-level executive, could have been really high-level executive with like Kelly Springfield Tire Company. Then you owned your own businesses. Like you had sandwich shops. You had, uh, I mean... Uh, ever since I can remember, you've always owned your own business. Like you were yeah. farming in Montana when I was born and then we moved to Florida and you were in the golf business. And then we moved to Maryland and you went back to school at, how old were you when you went back to school, dad? You were my age, weren't you? Like 43? Yeah. And, wow. and like restarted life and opened his own business at 45. And, um, and that kept that business till you retired five years or six years ago when you got cancer. And, you know, so, I feel like, too, just watching you and mom over my 43 years and hearing you talk, there was also not just an emphasis on education and church, but the hustle mentality for you is climb the corporate ladder, too. Yes. Um, which was a pretty, I feel like was a pretty heavy pace when when you were in that bracket. Yes. It, now, when you're 28 years old, 
and you're you're married and have responsibilities, the the emphasis is on making money. Uh, yeah. My main focus was I got to make money. Ten thousand dollars a year was a huge, a huge amount of salary. Mm. And of course, it's it's astronomical now compared to what it was then. But yeah, it's twelve now. That's crazy. <laughs> you're getting paid twelve. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> both the husband and wife worked. Uh, and and it was just an emphasis on owning our own home, getting the things that the world offered to us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that perspective changes dramatically when you have children uh, because then it becomes an additional responsibility that, quite frankly, we had been married 14 and a half years when Trevor came. Mm. And I really didn't like the change. Uh, For what it's worth, I didn't. <laughs> he you didn't ask to be here. Life. <laughs> I didn't ask to show up. Y'all brought me here. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's, it was dramatic for me because I was used to, I'm rather impetuous. Let's go. Lock the door, get in the car, and leave. Yeah. Couldn't do that anymore. Well, you could, but you you probably go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was a different time. It was a different time. I mean, I, I, it's funny you say that because I remember we. I remember the station wagon we had, the big white station wagon. We didn't have it long, but like they had the rear facing seat, which that is the worst invention to man for somebody who gets car sick. But I remember that that, that back seat didn't have a seat belt, and you could legitimately. I remember sitting in the back of the car long before five years old, looking out the back window, not strapped in, jumping on the seat. I also remember sitting in the front of the truck in Montana, and the only seatbelt I had was your arm across my chest. Like, just funny. Um, but, you know, watching watching you and mom go through even that, and obviously I wasn't there pre-me, but I, I can only imagine how that, A, slowed you down, but it made maybe you had to hustle in a different way at that point. Yes. You know, because the one thing you've always been is hard worker. So if we, if, if we, I don't ever feel like we went without, but I feel like dad went with a lot of without so that we could have what mm. we needed. And, you know, people ask me all the time, they're like, you know, was your dad at every game and everything? I was like, no. And they were like, does that bother you? I was like, no. I was like, cause you were working and providing, like I was able to do all the things I did because he was working. He was at the things he could be at. Um, but I never felt slighted. My mom was there or he was always proud or asked me about, we talk about, we play golf together. We do like, but I, I don't know. I didn't walk around with a chip on my shoulder cause I knew dad was doing everything to provide for us. I mean, and we, it's not like everything in life was roses either. I mean, we had a house burned down in 1983 where we lost everything, um, on, on New Year's Eve. Yes. Um, we were in Florida and the house burned down while we were in Florida. All we had was what was in our suitcases. Mm. We came back and. The community rallied around. Dad went to work, farmed, provided. We we left from there, went to Florida because I think your phrase was farming wasn't going to put me through college. Amen. And especially at that time. And so we moved to Florida and he went in the golf business and, you know, it was good for a couple of years until it wasn't, until a business partner ran off a whole bunch of money and we, he restarts again. Like he just keeps resetting. And then we stayed in Maryland until I graduated high school. They're still there. And... I never, there was never a moment a, where I felt slighted, unloved, or not cared for. And then that's where I saw my dad come to faith, really come to faith. I mean, you grew up in church, but there was a, there was a come to faith moment. Cause I remember the night mom was working and we went to the church and I was like, cool, I don't have to go to bed. Sweet. Let's go. And, um, 
and then he got baptized and it that moment changed everything again um but this time it wasn't about the hustle of providing more stuff it was how do how do i make sure we provide eternity for well, that's our what family? i was going to say the the hustle was probably still there but it's a different kind of hustle you know you, you talk about like pre-trevor it's a hustle and then after trevor it's a different kind of hustle but then once you you're, you're introduced to jesus that feels like it's still it's a kind of hustle uh but it's a different kind does that yeah yeah does, well absolutely does that track yeah i mean it's a it's a slowed down hustle if that makes sense yeah it's it's like a, it's like the old ladies used to walk at the mall you know, like power walking. Yeah, they're power walking. It's a power, walk. Walk, <laughs> a it's a power walk. It's not a hustle with intention. Yeah, you know, and um, I, but I'd be interested, Dad, uh, to know from you. Like, I know how it is for me, and, and Dylan, I'd like to hear your perspective on this. We're talking about God speak to me. Uh, what are the most prevalent ways that God actually speaks to you? Like, hmm. uh, is it is it James Earl Jones? Is it Morgan Freeman? Is it is it just through scripture? Is it through other people? Is it a combination? Is it like what is the primary way that you feel like God speaks to you? I believe primarily God speaks to me through other people. Uh, I'm involved in three Bible studies during the week. and they're, That's his new hustle. <laughs> dramatic. I mean, they're absolutely dramatic. What I thought I knew, I really didn't. Yeah. And the, the human side of spirituality is awesome. When people have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and that, spirit manifests itself coming out uh, i mean it's just it's just so awesome yeah. and you learn so much more uh, i have a difficult time of being quiet and listening to god and sometimes the answer is no answer yeah and you got to accept no as being the answer yeah so yeah well and i think that's that's intriguing to me through other people because I, I get that a lot as well. Um, but a lot of it for me is just just that very thing of getting still. And it's hard. Like I, That's why it has to be early in the morning for me. Um, of course, I know, like, Dad, you sleep like three hours a night. And so you're up a lot reading, listening. Um, do, you, do you ever have moments in those moments in the middle of the night where you feel like, all right, God's really speaking to me in this moment? Yes. He's probably telling you to go back to bed. but. <laughs> I have the very best communication with God it's at those times in the night where I'm in the Word. I open my Bible and, and I find a passage that I've been looking at or been studying. And, and that's when God defines his self to me the most. Mm. Well, I, you said something too interesting a second ago, Dad. Like, because um, you, you are, you're almost 80 years old, and I, I've known you now in faith. Well, well over half my life, the three quarters of my life, you've been a man of faith. Um, and I remember a period in time where you were pretty like, here's the ways that it is and it's not going to change, which there's those things in scripture. But we've had a lot of conversations over the last couple of years where you were like, ah, maybe I got this one wrong or maybe I got this one wrong. Like you talking about the Holy Spirit. I remember early on when you became a Christian, I remember we went to these, they were like multiple churches would get together and have these worship times and where we grew up. And they were always weird, but um, I remember the first time we go and you saw somebody raise their hands and you're like, oh, those are Pentecostal snake charming people. And and so for a long time in faith, I was like, man, them people crazy. Like they're rolling in the aisles <laughs> and doing stuff. Um, but then I got, I got out of my context where I was and then I go to Illinois and I go to Eastview and I see there's expressions of worship and I was like, oh, this isn't crazy. This is beautiful. 
And, and we had those conversations and we've had conversations about a myriad of different, but the Holy Spirit, um, to hear you say almost 80, man, there's things I'm unlearning to relearn. Do you, do you find that's more so now, or do you find that you're getting, you know? Well, I think knowledge is power. The knowledge that I thought I had wasn't the knowledge that I had. What I find now is I can read the word and I have I have clarity in mm. what God is speaking to me through his word. Where before, it just wrote. I just read it. I read my Bible ten times through, but I didn't understand. Now, every time I open the Bible, I find a gem. Mm. That I said, where did it come from? I read that. I taught Acts for 18 months as an elder in our church. I read Acts today, and I always find something new that I where did it come from? It's, That's so beautiful. It is. It really is. So for you, Dylan, uh, I asked Dad the question, How? what's your primary mode of how God speaks to you? So I'll, I'll give this with a caveat, and then I'll explain the caveat. Okay. Um, I think as I've gotten older, um, and we're talking about, you know, speak to me, and we've talked about, you know, sometimes we need to just shut up and be quiet and mm-hmm. listen. Um, <clears throat> this isn't necessarily, it, it's kind of shutting up. I think, God speaks to me right now in this season of life, primarily through worship music. Mm. Um, I think that's beautiful. I, I think it is. <clears throat> However, I still think sometimes that that's still like music is amazing because like I, I can sing a song word for word that I haven't heard in 10 years, but I can't tell you how to, you know, do a math problem. I also can't tell you what I said 10 minutes ago. Yeah. But there's, there's something about music about how it sticks in your brain and uh, how it just, it, it's always there. You know, I mean, there's, there's a reason why, you know, people make fun of it's a small world like at Disneyland, because it, it's, you can't unhear it once you've heard it. That's yeah, the most annoying <clears throat> song on the planet. Thanks yeah. for putting that in my head and You're all of welcome. our listeners. I'm glad you guys have that. If you haven't right heard now. it, look it up. Yeah. Um, don't do that. <laughs> but I think for me still, it's still a struggle to sit down and be truly silent and, and read scripture. Um, because, you know, we were talking about it, I think the other day, it's like, you, you sit in this silence and it's funny how loud silence can be. Oh yeah. It's just like, you think of it like when it goes silent, your thoughts start coming in. It's like, Hey, did I remember to turn off the stove? And I'm like, I haven't used the stove in a week. I don't even have the a stove. Like I, you know. <clears throat> um, but I do, I remember one time specifically, um, it was after, uh, my, my ex fiance broke up with me and I was just like, I, that had been a really tough season for me. Um, I hadn't been very close to God at all. um, but I remember finally just something broke, and I was like, I'm just going to sit down, I'm going to open the Bible, and I'm going to read. Um, and I know, you know, you, people hear that all the time, and it's like, is that really, does that really happen? Um, I was in the middle of trying to make a big decision about whether or not I was going to move to Nashville or move to Phoenix. And I said, God, I need you to make this stupid clear for me. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I have, yeah. I can I'm not a, smart enough to see complicated. <clears throat> I can make a really good argument for either of these cities. Um, so I, I need you to just spell it out for me. So I open up the Bible and I'm reading Isaiah 43 Mm. and it's, uh, it was, God made it really clear. Um, it says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. It's Mm. like, well, Nashville doesn't have a desert. Um, there's no rivers in the badlands in Nashville. No, so. no, there, there's not. <laughs> there's rivers, but they ain't going through the desert. I can tell you that. And so that really, like, that was like, oh. And that was like, 
you talked about it yesterday too. Uh, it was, uh, what if we, what if instead of going before God with our list of demands, we just showed up with a blank sheet of paper, yeah, which we gave everybody a blank sheet of paper yesterday. And for me, that was that blank sheet moment. It's like, God, I don't just tell me what you want me to do. Like, I don't know what I, I don't even know what I want. Yeah. I'm just here asking. Well, and here's the kicker. I, I think there's there's times where God will do what he did to you. Immediately, there's an answer. I think there's other times. I, we want God's answer to always be yes or or speaking to us. Sometimes God's going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you wait. Yeah. You need to be patient. You need to wait. Um, it, you know, had I, had I left Ohio a couple years ago when, when I was really contemplating leaving Ohio, I'd have never ended up here. And so there was, there was many a night where I was like, God, where do you want us? Where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to be? And I mean, when I tell you it was radio sound, I was like, all right, I guess your silence is stay. Because if I leave, I feel like I'm being disobedient because God's not telling me to leave. Um, if, if I stay, I'm kind of like in this limbo. Like I, I don't even know what to do right now because I, I it was really tough in that season. Uh but the flip side is, is when God answered, he answered two ways. He, he answered in a pain to bring me to a yes. And I, I think a lot of times we just want the yes and we want it to be fun and exciting. And, um, but usually there's a little bit of pain that comes when I ask God to speak because he has to reconcile some things in my own heart. I had this lady come by starting point yesterday, younger lady. Um, well, I have no age gauge. I say younger lady. She's probably like 30. Um, she came by yesterday and she goes, hey, in your message yesterday, you were, or today, you were talking about um, God speaking through these things, through these things. Do, do you think God can speak through all those ways? I'm like, absolutely. I think God can tell you to wait. I think God can make it specific. I think God can, um, there's a lot of ways God can speak. He's God. It, you know, it, the Old Testament or the New Testament where Jesus was like, these rocks will cry out if I don't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you, if you don't praise me, the rocks will. So if he can make rocks scream, which I would be terrified if I ever saw that in person. Um, but if he can make rocks scream, then he probably can speak to me through the rocks. He can speak to me through. That's why a lot of people talk about, like even me here, when we first moved here, I was hiking Sabino Canyon every morning. Being in the middle of the canyon, praying, seeing nature around me, um, God just answers with his His grandness as we're is we're in nature. I, I, yeah. I find a big connection being outdoors. Um, well, no. anytime that we do our, our quarterly staff days of prayer, yeah. um, and I'm interested whenever, you know, once we've made the move over to San Diego, where I'm going to find to spend those times. Oh, alone. shut up. Oh, shut up. You're going to go to the beauty of the beach and the sunrise. Know, and the sun. No, shut I don't up. Know. No, shut up. Yes, you will. I don't, I don't know. Um, don't rub it in everybody's face that you're going to have the most beautiful city on the planet to have your quiet time. in. nobody wants to hear you gloat. <laughs> It's not, I, you know, in Tucson, I always end up on Mount Lemmon because yeah. it's that beauty of, of nature. Well, you got engaged on Mount Lemmon yeah. and you, you know, it's a special place to you. Um, but I, I say that about San Diego because it's like it, you're driving distance to so many beautiful, like people think of California and you don't necessarily think of the beauty of nature. Um, but well, it's there. I, well, I do. It, it, you get on the coast, you get in the mountains. Yeah. I mean, you can be in the mountains or in the ocean within 30 minutes of each other pretty easily. And where you're at in San Diego and there's so much beauty in hiking in the mountainside and in the and in the ocean side. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's gonna be really rough for you to find a spot. We're all really feeling really sorry for you right now. Um, <laughs> hey, with that, we're Dad. We do this. We do this uh, segment on our podcast, um, just called Coffee Time. So we take a break. We're both kind of coffee snobs. You're actually drinking some really good coffee. I, I'll be interested to know what Dad thinks about this. But I think we'll just take a quick break, take a little coffee time, um, let you talk about what you put into our our palates today. Um, 
I believe it's Peruvian. It is Peruvian. Do you know that because you're looking at the bag right now, or do you know that because you know that? <laughs> no, I'm looking at the bag, and I'm reading it upside down, so it's Arupep. Um, <laughs> uh, I just like the word Peruvian, and I wanted to say it. So, um, Tell me what we're drinking, because it's really good. I yeah, really like this. Uh, so we kind of teased it on uh, last week's podcast, um, because we did this remote, and I wasn't here to make the coffee for you. I'm sorry, but I made it today. This is a Peruvian that I picked up while I was uh, in Alabama for Christmas break. From, that sounds hilarious. If you just came into the podcast, this and all is a Peruvian. This I is a Peruvian I picked up in Alabama. I'd be like, does Melissa know about this? <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm just there's a lot of Peruvians in Alabama, are there? Um, but it's from a shop called Nova. Um, and you, you know, before I even brought this back, the mug that I always drink out of during our podcast is a Nova yep, neutral mug. I can confirm that. Um, so I wanted to bring something back from my hometown. Um, it's really good. It is a, uh, it is Peruvian. Tasting notes are dark chocolate, fresh raspberry, and limeade. And I don't know where. Limeade? Do you, do you taste that at all? No. No? <clears throat> I do. I don't. I don't get that. A much more refined palate. Or maybe he just drinks a lot of limeade. Um, I got the dark chocolate. Um, that's right off the. That's right off the gate. I could taste the dark chocolate. What did you say? Raspberry, fresh raspberry. Oh yeah, I I got the fruit note. I got the chocolate note. I limeade. I'm. I don't know. I got nothing. I liked this one because I the limeade. So whenever I'm looking at a coffee, I have like regions that I typically prefer, like Ethiopians, Costa Ricans. The Peruvian is not typically something I would pick up. Um, unfortunately, it was the only one they had. Uh, or fortunately. I mean, in this case, fortunately, because I do like being stretched in different coffees, but uh, whenever I'm looking at different coffees, I I don't necessarily make the decision entirely based off of the tasting notes. But when I saw this limeade tasting note, I was like that, like, okay, even so if it's kind of there. Explain to our listeners, because they're going to be like, so how'd I get limeade in a coffee bean? <laughs> so it's not, it's not, it's not like whenever you go to the grocery store and you go down the coffee aisle and it's like blueberry flavored coffee. Right. That is not what this is. Um, this is coffee that is naturally organically grown out of the ground and because of how it's grown the proximity um and of which like you know maybe there was raspberries grown in close proximity well, in the same soil and elevation and elevation all those kind of things i mean like this bag even tells you the elevation of the coffee so it's well, how uh, high was it uh 1600 meters oh gosh i gotta do math again meter we had to do kilometers going down to tubac <laughs> the other day i was like R- roughly five thousand feet yeah that's roughly five thousand yeah. feet um I was going to say six sixty five hundred, um, especially being in Peru yep. because it's it is elevation. Um, so how how do they get the? Do they grow a limeade on trees down there? In, yeah, in Peru is that how they Have get? You've never there? been? No, nah, I've never seen the limeade tree. So I know uh, you've been a lot of places. So I figured in your travels you've probably seen a limeade tree. No, 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 no. Not a, I've seen a sprite tree. I've never seen a limeade tree. Oh. Uh, yeah, they. You know, I've I've seen the Dr Pepper tree. Um, that's that's down in well, it's Texas. It's like a it's like a special dialect. It's kind of if you've seen the sprite tree, there's probably a limeade tree around the corner. Yeah. Well, if you see a sprite tree, you've been you've been doing some <laughs> stuff that's going to make you see a sprite tree, uh, and it's not coffee. I can tell you that. Um, Dad was talking about a Holy Spirit. Yours is just a spirit. Spirit. Spirits. You've been plural. Yeah, a fifth of spirits um, is what what you've been in. If you're seeing sprite trees, that's um, funny. But but for the uh, seriously for the person that doesn't understand how that tasting note shows up. How do how do so they as people are roasting coffee, you know, if you're let's take this out of the equation. Not every coffee shop roasts their own coffee. Correct. Um, a lot of a lot of them don't roast their own coffee. And that's that's good. Um you can I I firmly believe you can be a great coffee shop that doesn't roast your own coffee. And there's there's something about knowing your own strengths in that regard. But 
on the other hand, there are also there are also a lot of great roasters. Um, two of them in Tucson, even. Um, yeah. But as you have a person, normally it's a master roaster, and then there are other people on that same team that are you know apprentice roasters. Um, they sit down as they're roasting the coffee and they brew the coffee and then they say, Hey, what is this? What does this taste like to me? And so like, you know, whenever I worked at Shalur and mobile, um, which is they've closed because of the pandemic. So they're not there anymore. So I can't send you there. Um, but we had started roasting there. So as Christian, uh, the master roaster on staff, as he was roasting not the Christian coffee, religion, Christian by name. Yes. There you go. Um, as Christian was roasting the coffee, he would bring it out, we would do cuppings, and we would uh, brew the coffee in a bunch of different ways, and we would write down the things that we were able to taste. And sometimes it aligned perfectly, and other times it didn't. And when, you know, the times it didn't, that kind of goes back to the discretion of the master roaster. And he says, okay, well, this is how I roasted it. This is the, you know, the temperature that I roasted it at. Um, and so this is what I'm tasting out of it. That's probably what's going to go on the bag. But it is really interesting. Um, if you ever have a chance to go to a cupping, um, I know Presta has done them in the past here in Tucson. Um, lots of coffee shops do them. You just, especially they, a lot of them stopped doing it, uh, during COVID, but now that, you know, some of those, uh, gathering restrictions are kind of gone. A lot of places are starting to do them again. So I encourage you if you, uh, if you're interested in knowing about, you know, tasting notes particularly, um, hop online and see if you can find a, a cupping at a, at a roaster near you because you can learn a, a lot. They're a lot of fun. Well, and if you, if you're in Mobile, go to Nova. Yep. Um, but if you don't go to Mobile, they have a website, I'm sure. Yes, they do. Uh, and I will link it in the show notes. Okay. Um, you can't buy this coffee right now. The only one you can buy is their uh, their house blend, which is still really good. Um, but you can go to NovaEspresso.coffee. Sweet. And uh, I'll toss that link so, in the show notes. So, Dad, you're you're sipping on this this morning. Um, you know, you're usually a Keurig guy in the morning at your house. And um, what, do you, what do you think of the coffee? Because well, I like it very much. It's full-bodied, which I particularly, uh, you know, that's my preference. Yeah. Uh, it's, it has, the, I have the lime overtaste. Yeah. Uh, I can, I can detect that in the coffee. No, I think it's very good. Yeah. Well, and dad typically puts like a little half a sweet and low in it, but you didn't have that in there today. No. Um, but when, you know, when, when we have people come on the podcast, we don't give them the option. No, no. Well, and dad's the first person that's probably not a coffee connoisseur that actually can engage this conversation, um, which I'm kind of impressed with because I didn't prep him for this. I was going to say, did you prep him? No. <laughs> do I prep <laughs> anybody for this podcast? <laughs> no. I don't I'm even so- prep you, and we do this every week together. I'm, I'm not we, prepping no, no word of a lie. We walked in the studio this morning, and I was already in here. Trevor walks in, and he's like, all right, you're going to drive. I was like, I wasn't here yesterday, Trevor. No, I don't care. Um, <laughs> dude, sometimes the best way to learn how to drive is just get behind the steering wheel and go. Um, that's what my grandfather did to me at five. Amen. I had my first wreck when I was five years old. You know, anyone else, I would say that's a lie. I believe you. But Dad can confirm it. <laughs> like, literally, my grandfather would set me on his lap in Montana. Actually, it was safer for me to drive on his lap at 5 than him to drive at 85. Because he, he couldn't, his eyes couldn't produce tears. And so he would close his eyes to try to get him mm. to, and he would do it for an extended period of time. And so, like, I, I had this thought. I still remembered as a kid when he was like, hey, you want to you wanna drive? You can sit on my lap and steer and I had this moment where I was like, I like our chances of living better with me driving <laughs> at five years old than him driving us at 85. But we were going to the cemetery one day. And, and you got to understand, it's Montana. It's rural. Like, that he, wasn't, he wasn't letting me drive on. Well, he was letting me drive on main roads. But there was not interstate roads. It wasn't the, like, don't think the Beltway or sure. I-10. or um, 
you know, we weren't in Dallas. You know, we were in Freud, Montana with 400 people. Right. And we were County Line Road and uh, not County Line. It was the other road that went out to the main road. And there was a little brethren church and there was a cemetery and grandpa would always go up there. And I think one or both of his wives was buried there. Both. Um, both of them. And it's not because one died and then the next one died. Um, <clears throat> and so we would go up and put flowers on the graves and grandpa let me drive. And we're pulling in. He's like, all right, now you got to turn a little wider because we're going into the cemetery. And it was like, like um, chain link fence and then a gate. And I just cut it a little too close and we tore up the side of the truck a little bit. And then he was like, and grandpa, <clears throat> grandpa at the time was probably, I was probably 85, 88. And he said to me, he goes, well, um, I'll drive home, but you can't drive for a week. <laughs> and then he said, and let's not tell your mom and dad about this. And I was like, okay, I like how this is playing out. I'm not going to get in trouble. I can't drive for a week. And he was leaving for a week. He left the truck for, for dad to use. With that, and it was on the passenger side, so dad has no clue. <laughs> While he was gone, dad notices he thinks somebody's hit the truck, and he's like, oh, my gosh, somebody hit the truck. He's talking to mom about it at the house. <laughs> Didn't you get it fixed? I tried to get it fixed. Couldn't get it fixed in time, so we pick up grandpa at the train station, and we're sitting. <laughs> we're, sitting we're at Trapper's Kettle. I can still remember it. Um, this restaurant in, uh, in North Dakota, and dad's like, oh, I got something I got to tell you. I think our somebody hit your truck and grandpa looks at me and goes, you want to tell him or you want me to? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I got in a little bit of trouble over that one. Yeah, uh, I guess so. I feel like grandpa should have gotten in trouble. Like, why did I get in trouble for that? Like I, you did it, but I, I was not the one that was having me drive. He, he was 86 <laughs> years old. The guy should have known better than let a five-year-old drive. Like I, I don't think I should have gotten in trouble for that. I, I want retribution. <laughs> I want to. I want to back that up a little bit. We'll have the lawyer on the show. Uh, yeah. Well, I think I could win that. When I was a minor, I was five. <laughs> I wasn't fifteen. Um, I'm going to get us out of this segment because I. This we're, is not coffee we're, time we're, anymore. We're not, no, but this is what we do over coffee. We talk about this. We're going to change stuff. the name of the segment to Chaos and Coffee with with Dylan and Trevor. Well, then we got to play two different tracks at the same time, and then it just gets <laughs> it gets insane um, after that. Um, well, Dylan, you like, listen, I, I know all of dad stuff. Like we, we talk all the time where, uh, which cool sidebar. I mean, dad and I haven't had a, like when I was growing up, I was pretty much a bonehead and, um, pretty stubborn and made some not great choices. Can, can you confirm or deny that, that statement? Take, takes that for his mother. <laughs> You better pray to God mom doesn't <laughs> listen to this. She wouldn't be able to figure it out on her phone, but, um, uh, but uh, dad and I ended, he was my best man at my wedding. And uh, the cool part of like our relationship now is coming out of the stupidity of childhood. Here's what, what I've said this all along, but um, for new dads or dads or in general, I'm like the one thing dad did well, um, a lot of parents try to be their kid's best friend when they're kids. And mm -hmm. then, then their kids rebel hard and run away from them. Um, dad and mom or especially dad was always like, I'm going to be your dad first. And then later in life we'll be friends. Um, and I think that's something that was done really, really well. Um, maybe too well, a little bit. He was very much dad for a lot of my growing up years. Like, uh, it, there's, I can count on less than one hand how many times I got whooped, but I remember them all and I remember them all very well. Um, but I, I mean, it was, and we were both working through stuff. You know, we've talked about that. I mean, dad's, um, dad's, which I think is really freeing for a lot of people, but dad is, man, since how long have you been back from Vietnam now? 58 years? Um, and didn't get any kind of help or counseling until three years ago. Um, wow. 
And but it's changed dramatically. We were talking about it the other day, like it just again, I'm watching. I'm watching my dad help me understand. Hey, here's some things in life that are okay, and you should probably start them sooner. Mm. Um, and so, uh, but I I know all the stories. But is there anything that you would you would want to ask or want to know or you know I don't think anything's off the table. But um, <laughs> I just think I think it's really cool. I mean, like any time that I have the chance to sit down with someone who's a generation, not like obviously I can sit with Trevor and learn a lot from Trevor. But there's yeah, a generation what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's your generation and there's my dad's generation. Um, I <clears throat> that I love to be able to sit down and just learn from. Um, and I think that we've done that really well in this podcast, just generationally, there are different challenges. Um, you know, what, what is challenging for me may not be challenging for you and what is challenging for you or was challenging for you may not even be something I face. Um, but it's very interesting to go through those situations and say, okay, the situation may not be the same, but there's an underlying principle that is still applicable to every generation. Um, you know, we, we ask our guests when we have them on the podcast, what if you if you were going to leave the earth today, what is, and, and you could tell, you know, everyone one thing, uh, what what is one thing, what is one piece of advice that you would want everyone to know? Spend more time with God. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in iron sharpens iron. Mm. And the more times you can surround yourself with learning people, I learn a lot from Trevor, uh, a lot of spiritual things from his messages and from our conversations. But I would say that the, the prominent thing in, in my life uh, that just got to be quiet and listen to God, and once you hear him, it becomes more profound. Mm. And if you listen, you will hear him. It's like a muscle. Yes. The more you exercise it, the more you're able to hear, and the more you're able to receive. That's, That's right. good. I, I, I'm, I'm curious, too, like, you know, talking about iron sharpens iron. Community probably looks different today than it did whenever you were 28. You know, a lot of my community, especially now that I'm going to move to San Diego, my community with my friends at Pantano, a lot of that's going to be online, short of a week a month. Um, but even prior to this thing with me moving to San Diego with my wife, um, you know, I grew up in South Alabama. Mm -hmm. It's not like I can just drive over there and see some friends for lunch. A lot of that community is still online. Um, and then I've got, you know, a mentor in Nashville. Um, I've got, you know, I've got Nashville, Louisiana, Florida, Louisiana, Texas. Um, it, it's just very spread out. And I still like, there are still those moments in those online communities where iron is able to sharpen iron. And it's not limited to just me saying, hey, let's go sit down together at this table and, and talk. Um, even though that's probably what it was more, more like for you. Am I right? Well, that's, that's primarily <clears throat> the exercise, you know, Yeah. but, but the results are, are what really make the difference. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, community is proximity, not, not necessarily in a room, but proximity to each other. And I mean, I think about growing up, I mean, there was like, my grandpa would go from Montana to Florida in the winter, which seemed like a really brilliant move. Um, but he would call every every week on Saturday, and we would talk. And, um, it, you know, even though he wasn't there, we had that community. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we had conversation. We had prox proximity via via phone. Um, and he was born in 1897. So he remembers, like, he settled in Montana, a covered wagon. I, I remember Grandpa told us one time, he was like, I thought the Wright brothers were crazy. 
And in my head, I was like, <laughs> holy crap, you were around when the Wright brothers created Flight. Like, and you thought they were crazy. And, and, and he was like, yeah, I thought those kids were nuts. He, I mean, he saw the Model T. He saw, he saw airplane, train travel, um, and space. He, he, he saw all of that in his lifetime come to See, fruition. I, that, I've had that conversation you know, prior to my grandfather passing. I had those kind of conversations with him, and it was like, I don't think this is off topic of podcast, but this is still an interesting thing to think about. I, I don't think in our lifetime now we'll see that much of humanity progress that fast. No. Well, like the, the, the speed, I mean, we're still learning. Where we see it though is in technology. Yeah. Technology progresses so quick. Like I, we don't even like my mom got a new phone and she's like, I don't, I I don't think it does anything different than the other one, but it does, but it does. You just don't know it. You just don't know it. Uh, Like I finally, I've joined the iPhone 14 ranks. I got my 14 pro this week and, um, but I noticed the difference with 5G. I noticed the speed. Yeah. I noticed the, the camera. I know, like, the camera in my in my phone right now is better than my second DSLR. Yeah. 48 megapixels in RAW, which, if you don't know what that means, you're like, huh? do you eat it? No. <laughs> um, but my first my first professional DSLR was 18 megapixels RAW. Yeah. Um, my iPhone has got more, more power to take cinematic video, photo, um, and just computing power well, than, than what put people on the I was going to say it has more computing power than the Apollo capsule, so. Yeah, in my pocket. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could land something on the moon with my phone, in essence, is what it means. But I think of Grandpa seeing all of that, like the amount of progression in, in humankind in that time frame. Um, but I, I think about, he, he went from communicating via letter Pony Express to, I remember when he flew to Maryland and it was like the first time he'd been on an airplane and he was like 93 years old. And I remember he got off the plane and goes, well, that was different. And I was like, yeah, cause you were off the ground. Like, uh, I mean, it just was, it, he, he saw things in a different way, but the community wasn't any less community um, because everybody's always looking for a way to get deeper community. Yeah. And now my daughter, here she is at college yesterday. She was she flew to Columbus and then she went to New York City. Her and her boyfriend went to a Broadway show um, and walked all around downtown Manhattan. And she's sending me pictures and FaceTiming me in real time. Hmm. And I get to see her every day from 1,900 miles away. Like, I, that's not less communal with my daughter. When she was going through a breakup last year, um, We I was able to sit with her and look her in the eye as she was going through this breakup. That's just as now what I've loved to sit on a couch and hold her and hug her. And yeah, but it didn't diminish the community we were having in that moment, you know, and dad and I talk almost every day. Um, and I, we have pretty much since I was in college. Um, and I've learned that's not normal for some people, but we talk every day and, um, and normally if there's the first phone call I make, if there's some major decision in life is I call, call him and I'm like, Hey, what do you think? Yeah. You know, um, but I don't think the community is any less. It's just, it's nicer when it's in this proximity, but proximity is not just physical. Yeah. I, I think it's a lot of other ways too, you know. Um, what else you want to know? I mean, you got the Speaker of the House I sitting know. over here. Let it go. I know. I don't, I don't know. What should I want to know? I don't, <laughs> what should, tell me what I want to know. Tell me what I, I want to know. I, that would be a great t-shirt too. Tell me what I want to know. We're um, going to start our own line of podcast merch. We should. 
just one-liners that come out of this podcast, um, most of which make no sense whatsoever. You would have to listen to the podcast just to understand the context of the chaos. And then you still wouldn't understand it. You would be like, I don't know what that means, but uh, there's a picture of Norma and Dr. Dre together. I don't, I don't know why that is. <laughs> um, uh, I, I just, I, I love this though, the, the intergenerational piece. Dad, you've got a phrase. I want you to unpack for a minute. I've actually used it in a sermon here and a couple other places. Um, but you talk about your attitude equals altitude. Um, I've heard that for longer than I probably want to hear it. I've heard Um, you say it. Yeah. Um, but you're the, at least you're the source for me on it. You may have stole it somewhere, but now I give you credit for it. So now it's yours. Um, but unpack for our listeners. What, what does that really look like? Because you made that statement before you had cancer. And then I, if you remember, I interviewed you for on video for an elder thing and you actually gave that as a lesson as you're in the midst of cancer, um, that altitude, a- attitude equals altitude. Um, your, your best friend of life and childhood, Frankie, he got, he got cancer and his attitude definitely shifted altitude in the other direction. Um, but explain what that means for our listener to grab a hold of that. When they're, maybe there's somebody listening going through some really hellacious stuff, what does their attitude have to do with their altitude in life? First of all, I think that your attitude is 50% of your performance. If you don't have a positive attitude, how can you, how can you function positively? Yeah. Uh, altitude is obviously the spiritual side of your life. It's the God side. Uh, you know, I try to pray driving down the road. In fact, I got stopped by a state policeman and... And I was praying, but, you know, he came to the car and he said, you know, you were going 40 in a 30-mile zone. I said, yeah. He said, what's your hurry? I said, I'm not in a hurry. He said, well, why were you speeding? I said, I was praying. And and the guy had a partner with him, and I can imagine what the conversation was when he got back to the car. Sure, old man's (laughs) been drinking, but he said he was praying. You know. he, he didn't give me a warning. He didn't give me a ticket. He just said, if you want to pray, pull off to the side of the road. <laughs> uh, I, I maintain that attitude or try to. Uh, it's hard to, to, in today's world, everything is so fast-paced. Yeah. But praying continuously helps modify that, that hurry-up attitude. Instead of driving 80, I drive 70. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's just... That's not true. No, it's really not true. <laughs> That's not true. It's what I want to do. <laughs> the, altitude, the altitude, obviously, is God, and uh, people who don't have that privilege in their life are, are missing uh, you know, a huge amount of knowledge yeah. and, and peace in their life, in their mind. Well, and... Again, watching dad's attitude through life. Like, I've got my perspective. I've watched them go through loss of everything. When I was a kid in Montana, I saw them go through loss of a lot of a lot of investment when we were in Florida. Um, Maryland, there's been a whole bunch of challenges we dealt with there with dad having his own business and all this kind of stuff. Um, but the one thing was never, we never threw in the towel in our life. Yeah, There was never a, it never went negative I mean, it was hard, but it was never negative. It was like, all right, well, we're just going to pull ourselves up and figure out what's next. And and then when the faith base hit our family, it's like, all right, well, we're going to pray and see what God would have us do. Obviously, God wants us to do something else or or God is trying to work in this way. So how does that manifest? And so, like, 
Laura and I now being married, you know, gosh, 23 years, um, you know, we, we've had our fair share of stuff as well. And so it's like, we look at that and I look back and I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm just stupid or stubborn or a little bit of both. And, uh, but I feel like anytime we've hit any kind of monumental bump in the road, it's always like, I will figure it out. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's part of what I grew up in. I was taught, I was shown, um, my parents gave me that foundation of life's not always going to be great. Yeah. It, it, and with Jesus, it may be less great because the enemy is going to come after you. Um, but we don't serve the enemy. We serve Jesus. So um, God will always be with you and give you a way through. Um, he, now he may have to drag you through. Hmm. Like it, it's not like you remember that old poem footprints. Um, it, you know, it's, I looked down and I saw two sets of footprints. I, there are not two sets of footprints in my life. There's one, Jesus, and he's carrying my butt everywhere. Amen. There might be drag marks behind the two feet <laughs> because he's dragging my butt through the sand. Um, or maybe there's a wheelbarrow because he's rolling me in a wheelbarrow and carrying me. Um, but there are not two sets of footprints in my life. There's one, um, and they're Jesus. And But anytime life, the, the bottom of life has fallen out, and it's going to. Like I, I don't, It's not doom or gloom. It's just reality. It's not if crisis hits, it's when crisis hits. Yeah. Um, and crisis for everyone's different, but, um, it, you know, I, th- I think how you, how you manage the crisis is the attitude that will determine what your altitude is. So dad yes. get, dad gets cancer. Has that been six years now? Yes. Um, cancer free for now six years. Um, and in that moment, like, I mean, and it wasn't a great prognosis. It was, it was an okay prognosis, but it wasn't a great prognosis. Like it could have gone either way. But dad never complained once. I'd call and be like, how you doing? Oh, I'm a little tired. Things taste like metal, but I'm good. I'm like, that does not sound good. Um, but, and my mom was a great support system. And he had a great support system around him. And, and Frankie was one of those support systems. Yes, but right. his best friend Frankie gets cancer, what, not six months after you were cancer free. Um, he had a one in four chance of survival. Went to Johns Hopkins, had surgery, survives. Mm. But in his mind, he was convinced that he was still dying. And six months later, passed away. Oh. And keep in mind, he, he didn't pass away from cancer. That, yeah. that he had a one in four chance of surviving. And he had a family that kept telling him that he was dying. And he just believed he was dying. So he stopped eating. And he stopped, I'm too sick. And his, his atti- I believe had he had the attitude you had, he'd still be alive. Yeah, I do too. And I think your, your doctor told you that because you guys have the same doctor. Yes. And, I mean, when the doctor looks at you and goes, yeah, the difference in the two was attitude and support. See, me and Melissa have even talked about that recently. Um, just like your words have power. Absolutely. Like words, you, words matter. Your words have power to speak life and death. Um, and I think that, you know, that's very literal in that case. Yes. Um, but, I mean, like, you know, last week me and Melissa both got a pretty pretty good cold. I mean, you, you still hear me sniffling. Um, so it's still hanging around a little bit. But we would sit there at night and we would, you know, talk about our day or whatever. And then we would kind of end the night and say, okay, tomorrow we're going to feel better than we felt today. Instead of saying, oh, I feel so miserable. Oh, I just, oh, uh, it was tomorrow we're going to feel better. And it was, it was kind of like that paired with, we're just going to take the next step. The next step is we're going to go to bed. And the step after that is we're going to wake up and we're going to feel better and we're going to go about our day. Yes. And so it's just very much that same thing about like your, your words. Not that you've ever asked me. But if I could share something with someone, I would say that, like, realize your words have power. Absolutely. Because I, I didn't realize that. I mean, I'm, I'm still young. I'll be 28 this month. But 
I didn't, I wish I'd realized that sooner because I feel like I could have avoided some heartache. I've, I've, I could have avoided a lot of things. Well, words have power on all fronts. Yeah. Words spoken to you, words spoken from you, words spoken to yourself about yourself. Yep. Um, the way that you, you see yourself, which most people don't see themselves in a really good light. Um, they don't see themselves the way God sees them or, or even the way other people see them. Um, now, there's some people that think they're better than what God sees them and think they're better than what everybody else sees them, but I, I think those people are fewer and far between. I think most people have a very distorted, skewed, negative view of self. Yep. Um, and if they could learn to speak to themselves the way that God would speak to them, um, I think it would change most people. Um, well, what do we got coming up with Pandano? Or is there anything else you want to ask my dad? Because, I, I mean... I feel like we can make this easy a two-hour episode. We could. Just keep trucking. Um, but we're going the Dominican, and I'm not sitting here for two hours. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's talk about what's coming up next. Um, we have the 24-7 prayer experience, which is going to be yeah. really cool. Yeah, um, I, I can't wait for that. I'm, I'm super excited about that. Um, if you don't know what that is, that's just going to be a really cool experience for you to uh, – we believe that, it, it again, it's the power of of words. Like, we believe that God can and will do really big things if we commit to cover – Pantano and our community in prayer for that entire week. Well, Jesus is referred to as the Word in John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Um, the Word is Jesus. Um, and so if if we want God to speak, he, he is the Word. So we ought to listen to him speak. And uh, the opportunity with that 24-hour, um, seven-day prayer movement um, that experience is in person or online. Yep. But if you're in person, we want you to sign up for a time slot. You can do that on our website. You can go to pantano.church slash next steps, click on the 24 seven prayer experience. Um, and at the top of the page, just so you're clear, there's places to sign up at the top by date. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you click those. I did not see that the first time I went there. Um, but make sure you click on one of those sign up for a time slot. And if all the time slots fill up during the, the actual physical event, um, you can still pray. You can still yeah, get up and pray in the absolutely. slot that you wanted to pray or, or not get up. You could be during the day because we got to fill all slots. Um, but I, I think it's it's going to be a really powerful experience. Rooted kicks off next week. Yep. Um, uh, uh, Baptism Sunday is next week. Is that next week or two weeks? 29th, January 20th. That's two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah, two weeks, uh, which will be uh, – our. we had our baptism celebration yesterday. We had 46 of our people come to that that had been baptized in the last month. And uh, it was fantastic. I just love celebrating with those folks. And they all put their name in the display out in yeah. our lobby. And um, the really cool one was we had a lot of kids baptized this last month. And I love seeing dads put kids on their shoulders so they could put their name in the display, uh, which was really, really cool. Uh, but it, it's just uh, uh, the Baptism Sunday. If you have not signed up and not been baptized, get signed up and do that. It will change your life um, in eternity. Another cool one. Um, we're in this series called Dangerous Prayers. Everything we're talking about is Dangerous Prayers. Um we have a really cool Dangerous Prayers reading plan, Bible reading plan. Sweet. It's a seven-day plan, um, so you can find that on our next page as yeah. well. And you can start, like, we're not moving through it together as a church necessarily. Yeah, you can so start you can whenever start you want. Today, you can start it tomorrow. Yep. Well, and then Feed My Starving Children in a couple weeks where we're packing half a million meals. Yep. Um, by the way, our Christmas Eve offering, if we didn't mention it last week, but it, it's surpassed $115,000 um, for Feed My Starving Children. Which that's a half a million meals that get disseminated around the world for uh, for kids to have sustainable food and living, which is super cool. And we've I think there's still openings for slots for I people think to a sign left, up. Yeah. Um, but they've they filled up fast. So uh, make sure we've got 1,300 kids from the community coming from schools that the schools are bringing them over to pack meals during school during the that's week, so which cool. is going to be really cool. Um, I love how that just impacts our community yeah. and and the global community. Um, anything else coming? 
Those are the big ones. Yeah, I mean, Easter is less than ninety days away. God, we're not yet. No, no, we've got no, to. I just, yet. I just not wrote yet, the, yet. I just wrote the Easter message. So, <laughs> it, yes, yet, um, it is here. <laughs> it is happening. Uh, it is going to be fantastic. Uh, next month, uh, my buddy Jeremy Jernigan, he'll actually be on the podcast with us, and he'll uh, he'll be in town speaking in our um, Difference Maker series. Yesterday, all of our kids' stuff kicked off in new rooms and fresh look, and uh, it was really, really cool. Student section in the auditorium yep. yesterday, both hours. Uh, it there's you, just You said it internally to staff at the end of, of 22, and so now that we're in 23, it, it's really playing out exactly like you said. You know, you said whenever you sent us home for our Christmas break, you said, rest, rest well for this week, because when we come back in 23, we're moving. Yeah. And we are... It, it, it is moving. Our Sunday mornings are in person. Uh, like nine o'clock yesterday, both bleachers were almost filled. Um, the The right side was completely full. The left side where the cafe used to be was three quarters full. Um, people have to sit outside in the cafe because we don't have anywhere to put people. So um, invite your one, invest in your one, get yes. your one here. Dad, any other little glimmers of wisdom you want to drop before we uh, get off here? Any, any words of wisdom? I, I would just say that a lot of people think that God micromanages their life. He's not a micromanager. Mm. We have free will, and he wants us to exercise that. And you got, you got to know the difference between the two. Yeah. Dad, real quick, you're hearing everything going on at Pantano. You're seeing it. Um, what, what's your favorite thing? Because you came in February uh, last year. Is that February? Yeah, because you were here for Super Bowl Sunday. Um you and mom are actually here. You've been here from almost three weeks now. Um, what's your favorite thing right now that you're seeing happen at Pantano? Community. Hmm. Uh, I've never been anywhere where the people are more uh, receptive to us as outsiders, if you will. Uh, they've, in, they've embraced us and made us feel like we're a part of this community here. And it's it's just a wonderful thing. Yeah, well, that's... That's probably because they think you and mom need a lot of counseling because I'm your son. So they're 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 working hard. To, I don't tell them that. Yeah, well, I, I would not lead. That is not the lead that I would lead with. Um, Dylan, anything else you got, bro, before we uh, wrap this one up? That's it. Let's get you guys on a plane. Uh, well, I got to get in a car first and go to Phoenix in this. Whatever this stuff is falling from the sky here. It's, uh, it, it, it's still going on out there. I like that you lifted up a curtain to look outside and the blinds are closed. <laughs> and he was like, yep, still going out there. Like I can see through it. It's rain. Like, that's... that's it looks like snow. Nope, those are the blinds. Um, well, with that, we're going to get out of here. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of The Make Podcast, where we're moving from Sunday takers to everyday makers. To learn more, head over to pantano.church slash the make. We can't wait to see you again next week.